Do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today. The very invitation to us to pray implies that there are blessings waiting for us at the mercy seat. Let us therefore come boldly into the throne of grace. Charles Spurgeon. Hey, we're Erin and Jennifer Smith, your hosts of the Marriage After God podcast, where we encourage you not to just have a good marriage, but to have a powerful one, that you would know God and be known by Him, and that your marriage would be the mighty tool God desires it to be. We wanted to share with you guys a review left by Tasha T1103. It says, I bought 31 prayers for husband and wife and husband and wife after God. I basically bought the husband bundle and wife bundle. My husband is incarcerated and I often buy books for us to read together in hopes to connect. These books have been a blessing in our marriage. It did more than connect us. It has made us one. God has moved in our marriage and we are so grateful. I've recommended these books to my married friends. My husband and I now are reading Marriage After God and I have started listening to your podcast. I'm listening to all the episodes from the beginning. Thank you very much for sharing your story and your ministry. Tasha, thank you so much for leaving this review and sharing your story with us. And I just hope, we just hope that this encourages all those listening um, just in how impactful sharing our marriage stories can be. And we've really appreciated um, having the opportunity to share our story and our message and encouragement of, um, of having a marriage after God here on the podcast. So thank you so much for listening. I've been encouraged by uh, messages like this. We've actually gotten them over the years. There's been quite a few husbands and wives who unfortunately have a spouse incarcerated, but they use our books to stay connected while they're apart from each other. Um, we see the same thing happen with people that travel or military. Uh, it's just the reason we wrote these books as separate devotionals is so that they can be done in person together, or you could do them apart, which is really awesome. If you haven't had a chance yet to leave a review, but you're an active listener on the podcast, would you take a minute to just leave a review? Uh, these are a huge blessing to us, and also it helps others find our podcast. Awesome. So we're this is the last episode in our eight-part series. Yeah, it feels good to kind of wrap it up. Yeah, and we're going to be finishing up this prayer, this, the Lord's Prayer in Matthew chapter 6. Um, so I figured since it's the last one, I'm going to read the whole thing, that whole section, and then we can talk about the last verse. Cool. Let's okay. do it. So starting in Matthew chapter six, starting in verse five, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will re reward you. And when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think that 
they will be heard for their many words. And do not, be, do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask Him. Pray then like this, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, the, the last verse that we're going to be doing in this, in this eighth part of our series is not verses 14 and 15. We actually combine those with, um, verse, the ver- verse, uh, 14. Four- yeah. Uh, right. no, we, said that we right. combined Sorry. it with, um, gosh, where is it at? I'm skipping Verse 12, it. forgive us our debts. Yeah. We combined, yeah. um, 14 and 15 with verse 12. Because it talks about forgiveness. Yeah. And then. So this last verse we're going to do is, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, verse 13. Perfect. And so that's what we're going to be discussing today is what can we draw out of this portion of the prayer that Jesus teaches his disciples and teaches us Mm -hmm. and how it can apply to our marriage. And we're kind of answering the question too. What is, what is the power of prayer? Yeah. Because there really is power in prayer and you experience it when you practice prayer and when you are obedient to the discipline of prayer. Amen. (laughs) So verse 13, it says, and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, This is something, there's something maybe some of our listeners don't realize, um, but I believe will be a powerful revelation to many. It was something that was huge for me. um, And it's actually two things. Uh, The first is the reason Jesus is teaching us to pray this, you know, um, you know, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil is because he has firsthand personal experience with temptation. Mm. We all remember the story in the gospels where Jesus is led when he begins right before he begins his ministry, he's led into the wilderness for 40 days to be tempted. He understands perfectly and exactly how it feels when we as humans are tempted. So he was perfect and he was tempted. Hebrews 4.15 says, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. This should be one of the most comforting verses in the Bible. That he knows. That he yeah. not just knows, but he's he's he, he can sympathize. He's aware. And it says in every respect, yeah. he's been tempted as we are. And yet he didn't sin. Which leads me, to the second part um, of this, this revelation that I think will encourage our listeners about temptation. So how many times have you, listener, me, the speaking, you, my wife, do you desire to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer. Visit themarriagegift.com today. Felt guilty or condemned for being tempted. Like it's a 
that's a real question. Like how, how often have you like, man, like I hate that I feel tempted by this thing. So even though you haven't given into that temptation, just the fact that you or being thought tempted. about it or it, yeah, it's been something put in front of you that you, Oh man, there was years by. that I would just pray God, like take away all these temptations, make me a robot. I don't want to be drawn by these things. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be tempted by these things yeah. anymore. And so there's this, and I, I believe a lot of Christians feel this way. Mm-hmm. There's things that we're tempted with. And not everyone's tempted with the same things always, but you know, have you felt guilty? Have you felt shameful? Have you felt um, condemned just for the temptation, just for being tempted with something, whatever it is, whatever sin you've, you've struggled with, you've felt you've fallen into often enough to have it be part of your life, a pattern. Do you feel guilty just for the temptation alone? Um, And here's the revelation. If the temptation itself were sin, then Jesus was a sinner. Mm. but it's not. And he wasn't, he's not a sinner. He was tempted and yet did not sin. There are two separate things. There's the temptation and then there's the giving into the temptation. There's the walking in the sin in the flesh. So your encouragement is for us to recognize that and to be able to separate those feelings of shame and guilt, like reserve those for the regret that when we do sin, not yeah. when we're tempted. Well, and I'll, I'll not to wrap it all up in. I'll one. say this: that regret, that guilt, that shame, that condemnation, when you're tempted, isn't coming from the Holy Spirit. Mm. Now there might be a uh, we'll talk about this in a little bit a prompting the Holy Spirit of like saying, "Hey, don't do this. Don't walk in this." But the shame, the guilt, the, this is one of the the tools that I believe the enemy uses is we feel tempted. We're 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 in that space of like, oh, I I want to give in. And the enemy's like, well, you're already tempted. You might as well, like you already feel the guilt. You already feel the shame. Why don't you just go for it? And he kind of like pushes us over the edge. He, he tempts us in, even further in that. And so I just want to strengthen us and remind us that temptation is not sin. Giving into temptation is where the sin comes in. The sin is when we choose to indulge, when we choose to say yes to that thing we should be saying no to. So I, I had a verse that yeah. popped up into my mind and I had to find it, but, um, I was reading first John yesterday, first John, uh, three 20, it says for, if our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows mm. all things, which I love because it's true. Cause some, often our hearts condemn us. <laughs> well, and what you're talking about that experience, that feeling of shame or guilt, when you haven't done anything wrong, you were just tempted by something and you kind of wrap it up into the same feelings as if you had sin. Um, yeah. our hearts condemn us and remind us of our weaknesses and all the other, you know, negative, negative emotions that we feel in that moment. Um, but I love that it said, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. And he knows if mm-hmm. we sinned or not, he knows that. I mean, he's, he's the one judging our hearts. He knows, knows. And we also, we know when we sin, mm-hmm. when we choose to do something that we absolutely know we shouldn't do. The Bible tells us that if it, Someone knows the right thing to do and does not do it. That is sin. Yeah. That is sin for that person. So we know when we choose wrongly. Mm-hmm. Um, and th- this is why I think it's so powerful and so um, important that Jesus is teaching us right now about asking God to lead us not into temptation, but to deliver us from mm-hmm. that temptation. Um, because the powerful thing is that God, that Jesus knows, he understands it, which is so good. The second thing is that temptation itself isn't sin, but it's the thing that's trying to get us to sin. It's mm-hmm. the, the temp, it's the draw mm-hmm. to that fleshly desire. Um, 
And then another thing I want everyone to listen to here is that God is not the one tempting us. Right. He never is. And I can say this for a fact because James 1 verse 13 says this, let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he himself tempts no one. So, Jennifer, does God tempt you to sin? No. No. Did God tempt Eve? No. To eat from the tree? Mm-mm. No. Like God doesn't tempt anyone to sin or to do evil. Which, I mean, it makes sense because he's pure and he's holy and he's perfect. And Jesus himself never sinned. So how could you tempt someone to do the thing that you never did? Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, but I, we can, I, I think there's a lot of believers that probably have her. this misconception that it's God that brought them to this trial, mm-hmm. this test of temptation. We tell ourselves or we roll through thoughts of mm-hmm. at least, you know, Maybe, maybe on, it's not that God tempted me with this, but why did you allow? Well, what about that one? God does because it says that Jesus was led to the wilderness to be tempted. Mm. God did not tempt Jesus, but he led him to this scenario, this season of his preparing so that testings and trials do come and God does test us, but he does not tempt us. God himself is not the one tempting us to sin. So we can trust yeah. That he won't tempt us. We can yeah. trust him. Be like, oh Lord, you're not the one tempting us. Um, James 1, 14 through 15 says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire when it's conceived gives birth to sin mm-hmm. and sin when it's fully grown brings forth death. So, yeah, so God, God doesn't even need to tempt us. <laughs> like it comes from within us, like out of all, what we already want. This is another huge revelation that I had in my own life in, in trying to navigate this idea of how does temptation work? How does my flesh work? How does, you know, at what point am I making the wrong choices and and leading to, you know, these, you know, leading to sin. And I read this in James and it's like, each person is tempted when he's lured and enticed by his own desire. So let's take an example here. Okay. Someone who has no problem with an, or addiction to smoking. So this is a, a pretty easy one to like, maybe someone listening right now smokes, maybe no one ever has. It's a pretty strong thing. It's a very addictive. It's very visual, visual. It's very um, tactile. It's got taste. It's got all the things to hit your senses, to hit your senses. Right. Yeah. So let's say someone's never had a problem or addiction to smoking. Doesn't like the smell, thinks it's disgusting. Oh, you're saying we can this be pretty person confident. doesn't smoke. Yeah, they don't smoke. Got it. Cause I thought you were saying. Is well, it, we'll get it, to that next. Well, I know, but when you first started out, it sounded like you were saying sounded to me that you're saying someone who does smoke but doesn't have an addiction to it oh no 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 they they have an addiction they 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 have this is there's someone that doesn't they're okay. not addicted they don't smoke they don't like the taste they don't like the smell they don't like, like the way it looks they think it's an ugly thing right yeah that person's never going to be tempted to smoke a cigarette right you could put a pack of cigarettes in front of them you can they, hand them one. you can yeah. light one put it in their mouth and they'll spit it out and, and be like what are you doing yeah like there's no temptation there because there's no desire yeah, there's no, it's not, there's nothing inside them that wants that. Mm-hmm. But someone who has tasted it and has loved it, has become addicted to it, and it maybe is trying to quit now, that person, they will have the, they temptation. smell it from 100 feet away and they're like, oh, mm-hmm. and they remember like triggers. Yeah. They see it in someone's hands and mouth and they, they can feel it in between their own fingers and in between their lips and they, they want it. And this goes with almost any sin, anything. So I have a question. Would you say that? The more experience a person has in life, the more temptation that they have in life. Oh yeah, 
<laughs> for sure. I've never thought about that before. So that we build these things in us. And so these, these passions come with us. So I want to take this to another deeper level, this idea of how temptations are already something within us because you can't be tempted with something that you don't want. Mm. You just cannot. Mm -hmm. If you hate eggplant, you will never be, you cannot tempt me with eggplant. Me, me neither. <laughs> so yeah, that's You true. can't be like, ooh, here's this tasty eggplant casserole. And be like, <laughs> okay, <laughs> I don't want nothing to do with that. That looks disgusting. <laughs> so let's look at Jesus. Sorry, all you eggplant Okay, lovers. this is going to blow some people's minds, I think. Let's look at Jesus. He was tempted in the wilderness for 40 days. So if temptation comes from a desire that's within us, then what was Jesus tempted with? He was tempted with what's in his heart, what he actually wants. Luke verses, or chapter 4, verse 3, And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. What was he tempted with? Well, uh, well, he was fasting at this point, Yeah. so food. He was hungry. But would you say that also, um, just that beginning portion of if you are the Son of God, he was being tempted with who he is, like his identity. Right. But the main temptation is make this bread. Yeah. He was challenging Jesus's Godhood, mm -hmm. but tempting him with the thing that he wanted. The physical craving. Of, yes. Yeah. Okay. So he wanted, he was hungry. Mm -hmm. Jesus desired food. Mm -hmm. We can clearly, we know that for sure. <laughs> he was, he was a man. Okay. Let's, so that's the first thing he was tempted with food. Luke four, verse six. And the devil said to him, all this authority I will give you and their glory for this has been delivered to me and I give it to whomever I want. I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, I will be yours. All will be yours. Or all will be yours. So the temptation isn't to worship him. It's the authority. It's the authority. Guess what Jesus wants? To rule. To rule. Yeah. And he knows how to do it. When he, um, before he ascends into heaven, he says, all authority has, has been, been given, given to me. Yeah. He knew who was going to give it to him. Mm -hmm. So he does have a desire for that authority, but only God's way. Mm. And he, he was not tempted with worshiping Satan. He was tempted with the authority that Satan had, with the power that Satan had, because that's what Jesus desired. But he knew how to get it the right way. Right. He knew what his role was and what his purpose was. Let's look at Luke, Luke 4 verse 9. Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacles of the temple and said to him, again, if you're the son of God... Throw yourself down from here. Okay. He's, he, he's on the pinnacle of Jerusalem and he's looking at his city that he loves. And he's being tempted again with um, this idea of, is God going to save me? Is God going to fulfill? Mm -hmm. Is God going to take care of these things that he does trust God in mm -hmm. and he knew it wasn't his time. And so he's being tempted with things that he already has mm -hmm. in his heart. What I don't like about this last one is you can imagine the seed that was planted here with um, if uh, kind of like this endangering yourself, like testing God. If, if you do this, will he protect you and save you is like the seed of uh, doubt and insecurity for what he's going to be doing in just a short while, you know, being yeah. in the garden and like, wanting I, I'm just wondering I'm I'm tying well, he, this into him being understand. in the garden like, he's do, a man do you think that he was tempted again in that same situation with okay if I'm going to do this and and throw myself down not from the pinnacle of the temple but well, so to speak on the cross does anyone's flesh want to be to suffer no oh so there's so the, the desire to not suffer does to not exist suffer. yeah 
but he over he he um, overcame the temptations in his flesh mm-hmm. by walking in God's spirit, by listening to God, by trusting God. So when G- when it says Jesus was tempted, he was tempted by desires that he has inside of him. That otherwise you couldn't tempt Jesus. Mm-hmm. He was hungry. He um, he wanted all the authority that God has, has promised him. He wants those things. He desires what God has for him. So it's a pretty powerful thing to realize that Jesus was tempted just like we are and that temptations come from within us. And that should, that should be something that as, as believers, we should prayerfully evaluate in our own hearts is like, okay, Lord, here's the things that I am tempted by. Why? Mm-hmm. What, what is that in me that I, that I'm looking for? What am I trying? What do I, what does my flesh want and why does it want it? So Jesus knew temptation. He experienced that on earth and he can understand what our flesh encounters with temptation. Um, so we were talking about how in this example of prayer in Matthew um, from him, it's a, it's a petition to not even let us be in a position where we're vulnerable to temptation. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a heart cry for protection. Right. Well, cause he, he's, he's like we said, fully aware of what it, what, how hard temptation can be. We're, and everyone listening knows exactly the things that they're tempted by. And when they're in the midst of that temptation, how hard that is. Yeah. And so it reminds me of, I was just reading Proverbs seven the other day and it's a, it's a, it's a letter to a son it's saying, you know, my son, listen to my words. Cause he's, this father is just like Jesus is praying for us. Like, you know, pray that we don't get let in temptation. He's writing th- this proverb is being written to a son saying, listen to my words and don't fall into this trap. Mm-hmm. Don't do this. It says, uh, verse six through eight, for at the window of my house, I have looked out through my lattice and I've seen among the simple I have perceived among the youths, a young man lacking sense, passing along the street near her corner, taking the road to her house. And he's talking about a prostitute. And he's saying, he's saying he, he, he's going on this road. He's, he's on a road. So the road is not sinful. The path is not sinful. The walking, a direction is not sinful, but he knows what is on it. Mm -hmm. He knows who lives at the end of it. He knows where he's going to go. And this is the father's cry to his son in Proverbs 7 is, don't be like that young man, that simple-minded, not lacking unwise, sense. lacking sense. Don't go on that road. Don't put yourself in a situation where you know you will be tempted. That it's, it, it sounds easy, but it's not. There's times that we, we have this way in us where like, I, I'm not going to give in, but I just want to go walk down that street. <laughs> and we think that we're somehow stronger than a temptation, but at the same time, we're desiring to be tempted, mm-hmm. which is not how we should be walking. We should avoid that street altogether. Isn't there a verse that says that sin is crouching out the door? Yeah. This is what God tells Cain. That's right. Right before he goes to kill Abel. <laughs> but if we turn it around a little bit, like how often are we ourselves crouching up to sin's door? We're like, let's see how far we can get. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's get close in. to the line and this is what uh, Eve did. Eve, she she's told by God, don't eat of the tree of knowledge or uh, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Well, right. Adam was told. Adam was told. Okay. Adam conveyed the message. We <laughs> yeah. think. So, but maybe God told her. What is she doing? Like walking up to the tree, like oh, oh, this is the tree that God doesn't want me to eat. Okay, but it looks so nice. She like, should have been on the other side of the garden so eating good. eggplant. <laughs> and then guess where the the serpent Sorry, is? That was, guess. I didn't make jokes I know, like egg, yeah, eggplant is <laughs> gross. Uh, maybe that was the fruit on the tree. Um, 
where is Satan at? Right there at the tree, mm-hmm. right there ready to help, encourage that temptation. She was already tempted. She was over by the tree because she was curious. Yeah. She was interested. And then now she's being tempted by the devil. Mm-hmm. The serpent, that, that ancient serpent. It's like she put herself in his hands, like right there. Yeah, she could have been, if she wasn't anywhere near it, that serpent would have been, wouldn't have been able to say like, well, look how good it's going to taste and look mm-hmm. how good it's going to, she's like, what, what are you talking about? Like yeah. that's way over there, you know? So don't lack sense. Yeah. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah. And we, I, I think we tend to give uh, too much credit to the enemy. Like it's all his fault for yeah, he tempting us or yeah, making us sin. You know, that that's like saying that the serpent like led by the hand Eve over to the tree but he doesn't do that. He's, he's, he, he's very cunning. The Bible mm. says he's been around a lot longer than we have, but we play a role, but we, we play a role because a there's, there's desires that are inside of us mm-hmm. and he's just really good at knowing how to trigger those yeah, and to, to get those. And, and so we, it's why the Bible over and over and over again encourages us on how we should be walking and how we should be avoiding certain things and not like, yeah, it's for protection for us. And Jesus is even praying this like, Lord, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us. So, don't even like lead me to a place that I might be tempted and also like deliver me from evil and from temptation and strengthen me to be able to rise above that, which scriptures clearly tell us he does. So I think it's really good too that. I mean, obviously he put the most important things in this example of prayer in Matthew for our sake so that we would put our minds to it. Mm -hmm. Um, He didn't just say pray for daily bread and that, you know, you're, you have providence and you you're being taken care of. He says very specifically to like, he wants us to be paying attention that there are temptations out there, that there is an evil one. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is crucial that we as believers are paying attention that we're praying for these things. Yeah. I want to read some scriptures that, uh, encourage us in this whole idea of temptation and how we, how we should and can be walking. Uh, so first Peter five, eight, it says, be sober minded, be watchful. Like you were just saying mm-hmm. your adversary, the devil prowls around like a, lo- a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. You know, when you put yourself in the wrong place at the right time, <laughs> when you, when you allow yourself to walk down the street that, you know, leads to the prostitute, when you, when you put yourself right in front of the thing that you have vowed not to touch you've you know is bad for you and you just you're like well i'm just gonna get close this is where he the devil is seeking to devour someone he's he's ready to pounce we're not what we're not walking it sober-mindedly we're not being watchful we're acting as if we don't have an adversary and we're pretending like we're strong in our flesh we're like let's go in our flesh close to that thing that our flesh desires and then tell ourselves that we're going to be strong in our flesh to not give in to that thing that our flesh wants. So, mm. well, but the cool thing is, is even, even in the midst of lacking sense and being lured into temptation, we have to remember that we're not abandoned, that the Lord still provides for us. Even in those moments. Because he knows that we're weak and that we need help. In first Corinthians ten thirteen, it says, no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with every temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. So th- think about the meaning of this, because this is a, this was a huge revelation for me and in, in my walk with purity and in mm-hmm. certain things that I've struggled with is recognizing that this isn't true for some people. 
This isn't just true for those super Christians that, you know, they never sin. And you you just think that that's true. Yeah. But that's, this is true for every believer. It says, no temptation has overtaken you that is not coming to man, which means the temptations you're experiencing that you think are so strong, so powerful, impossible to escape. That's common to man. It's not uncommon. You don't have some sort of special temptation which means that it was also common to jesus because it says that he can sympathize with our weaknesses and that he was also tempted in the same ways and so and then it says god is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability what that means you you can say no you can overcome it you can every time escape that god provides a way of escape with every temptation we may not like the way of escape. We may, we may not want to escape, but he does. He provides so, it. Would you say that like for some people seeing that way of escape, understanding that way of escape is easier or like you have spiritual eyes for it the more you do something? I think or like, the, how does it work? from my experience, it's something that you become more sensitive to because mm-hmm. when we walk in certain sins, certain unrepentant sins, we just, you know, we have this thing over here that we haven't dealt with we can become numb to hearing the voice of God in that situation with those things. We can, because we've said no to his prompting over and over and over again in that situation. Mm. It's not that he's never said it because we know right here, he makes a way of escape yeah. every time he, his Holy spirit speaks to us. He convicts us. He reminds us of the truth and he does that every time because he's faithful. Yeah. So I think we get, we get numb to listening we don't hear it as well. But I think as we practice listening, that voice gets mm-hmm. more prominent in our life. We it's, It becomes harder to not hear mm-hmm. it, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, okay, so I also wanted to uh, look at some scriptures that talk about deliverance because part of this um, mm-hmm. verse in Matthew also um, talks about delivering us from the evil one. So Isaiah 43, two says, when you pass through the waters, I will be with you. And through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. When you walk through fire, you shall not be burned and the flame shall not consume you. Reminds me of, um, the Shadrach, Meshach and Bendigo. Yeah, Yeah. for sure. I thought the same thing, but I also thought like, um, when, when it says, and through the rivers, they shall not overwhelm you. Even that reminds me of the first Corinthians verse we just read, where when you're going through hard things or there is temptation to sin, we, we, we can be at a point where we're not overwhelmed by those things, mm-hmm. whether it's a challenge or. One, it's, it's as we abide in Christ, the, the closer in proximity we are to him relationally mm-hmm. and trusting him and understanding him and knowing him, I think makes it easier to rise up underneath those temptations, but also makes it easier to avoid them Mm -hmm. to make choices sooner. Be like, you know, I'm not even going to go down that road. I'm going to, I'm going to take this, this longer route to get to (laughs) where I'm going. Um, another one is second Timothy four eighteen. It says the Lord will rescue me from every evil deed and bring me safely into his heavenly kingdom to him. Be the glory forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, this it's hard to hear these things because there's a lot of people that lots of evil things happen to them. Mm-hmm. And, but his rescue is sometimes immediate in the, in the midst of these things. There's in the midst of temptations in the midst of, no, I want to say in the midst of temptation, he's always provides a way of escape because that's what we just talked about. But sometimes things are being things done happening to, to yeah. us. Like sometimes he immediately stops and protects and sometimes they don't, he doesn't. But in the, in the, 
the big picture in eternity, he does. And this is, this is how many people, so martyrs often are martyred and, and, and they would be saved if they would only deny Mm. Christ, if they would only change their position on what they believe, if they would only uh, say with their mouth that they renounce Mm -hmm. their faith, they'd be saved. Mm -hmm. But being delivered in that scenario is not necessarily being delivered from the physical it's being de- that Jesus is with them in that moment and that the reason they can stay strong in their faith is because of who he is and not because of who they are. Yeah. Yeah, that's really good. And if you look at the wording, the word choice here, it's referring to the future. It's something that will happen. Bring me safely and so this is something that we can rest in hope, hopefulness. So whether or not he, he, uh, rescues you in the very moment of something evil being done to you or what you're experiencing, it says that the Lord will rescue and bring safely into his heavenly kingdom. That's mm-hmm. a, that's a future tense. So yeah. it's something that we can look forward to no matter what our circumstances are, or what we're looking forward to or what we're going through. We can look forward to him fulfilling this promise. Yeah. And I, and I think this is, this is a huge thing for a lot of believers because so we're talking about being, you know, not, you know, temptation, which is like the, it's the steps leading up to sin. Mm-hmm. And then there's the sin. And then there's afterwards, like after you sin. First and foremost, if you've been listening to any of our episodes, and if you've listened to our podcast at all, you would know that we believe the gospel. Mm-hmm. And the gospel, the good news is that though you are a sinner, you are saved in Christ Jesus. Though you have sinned, you are forgiven in Christ Jesus. And that all sins, past, present, and future, have been paid for and forgiven on the cross. So, not only has God dealt with your sin completely in Jesus Christ, but He's also now provided a way of being of not walking into sin and not continuing in sin. So He's dealt with the leading up to, He's dealt with the doing, and He's dealt with the aftermath the shame and the guilt and the condemnation. He's dealt with every aspect of sin in our life. And then I've been teaching through revelation for the last three years in, in, in church and we're get, coming up to the chapters in revelation where God is going to not just, he hasn't just dealt with it in us. He's going to actually de- deal with sin itself. Like you mentioned in the, in Genesis when sin is crouching yeah, and wanting to, you know, get Cain mm-hmm. sin itself whatever however that is i don't know i don't know what this is but there's sin sin is a thing god is going to throw into the lake of fire with death so sin and the consequences of sin which is death both of them will be cast in the lake of fire forever so currently sins in the world but god's dealt with it in every aspect and then finally at the end he's going to deal with it wholly and it's going to be gone destroyed no it will no longer have any effect on man, which is something we can look forward to. So this prayer, it's not just, you know, you know, lead us not into temptation. Like, Lord, protect me from the road of temptation. Mm-hmm. Keep me from it. Open my eyes to it. Help me walk around it. Help me see it when it's coming. Help me understand how I'm tempted and how these desires in me. That's the prayer is like, is, is make me aware, make me sober minded, help me see, but it's also, and deliver me from evil. Mm-hmm. It's also de- deliver me from the consequences of the sin. Deliver me from the ones who would want to sin against me. Deliver me from the the shame and the guilt and the condemnation. 
save me from that, Lord. And I just, I love that about God, that he didn't just forgive us and be like, oh, now, like, good luck. Yeah. Because that's not good news. Yeah. If you live a life and you're like, yeah, I'm saved and one day it'll be great. And right now everything's the same. Nothing's changed. And I feel trapped and I feel burdened and I feel shameful and I feel guilty and I feel condemned and I can't change. And I keep doing the thing I don't want to do. That's not the gospel. That's not good news. The good news is the gospel not only dealt with the consequences of sin, but it also dealt with the, the reason why we sin. And it's also dealing with what leads us to sin. Again, not that we're going to be perfect here. The Bible makes that very clear. But God's given us a way to walk with him and to receive from him and to be helped by him and to be um, guided by him. Amen. Amen. Yeah, and I think that the way that we um, the way that we do this is through praying and praying about our sin and praying about our temptations and praying about our desire for deliverance. Like this is which grows our sensitivity to hearing yep. the Spirit and yeah, prayer. Yeah. Which speaking of, we wanted to answer the question: What is the power of prayer? The power of prayer is that we rely on God every single day to help us, mm-hmm. like Aaron said, navigate life and. That he, and to know that he is our sustenance and protection. He is the one and we're reliant upon that. We cannot provide that for ourselves. We, we had a quote in the beginning of our book um, saying that prayer is more than just words. It's that, that it's our breath. It's, mm-hmm. it's, our, it's, our, it's, heartbeat. Our, it's our heartbeat. It's that prayer is, is how we commune with God. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we connect with him. Yeah. Speaking of connecting with him, uh, the power of prayer is also that we get to enter the throne room of grace, acknowledging the Mm -hmm. access that we have to our creator despite our sin, because Christ paid that ransom for us so that we can stand before him. And like you said, commune with him. That kind of power transforms a person when we recognize how big he is, how small we are, how much he can give, how lacking we are. Right. (laughs) You know? And the importance of the Lord's Prayer in general, this this big idea, which we've been getting th- getting to over the last eight episodes, as he teaches his disciples and teaches us um, that prayer is essential for a believer, that we can trust God and that um, and to help focus on the things that we should be praying for. Mm-hmm. Like he's he's just he's kind of he's exploding the picture of like you, you once thought prayer was this, but now see what it is. Mm-hmm. And as we practice prayer, as we practice humbling ourselves before the Lord, he transforms us. And it's a beautiful thing. We, when we submit to him, our decision-making and the way that we walk, because we're in close relationship with him, it pleases him. Mm-hmm. And our relationship with him grows deeper, wider, bolder. <laughs> Totally. And that's our hope for everyone listening is that this would be a true mark of our marriages is that we'd be praying with each other and for each other. You know, that word prayer warrior, it's Mm -hmm. like that we, we use prayer as our first line of defense, that it's our offense, that it's our defense, that it's everything that we would know God and that we would pursue him in our prayer life together and see him do amazing things in us and in our marriages. Amen. Speaking of marriages, we just want to encourage you guys to be praying in your marriages. We live in a time where marriage is under attack and 
we all go through hard things. And we, like we mentioned, that reliance upon the Lord for every single part of our life and especially our marriage relationship, we have got to be lifting these things up to the Lord. And so we, uh, that's one of the reasons we wrote the marriage gift. Um, It's a daily devotional journey to inspire, encourage, and transform you guys in your prayer life. It's 365 prayers written out for you to be inspired to be praying. I dare your I dare your marriage to do this for one year straight and <laughs> see so awesome. see what happens. See what happens. So at the end of um, this series that we've been doing, we've been sharing uh, prayers from the marriage gift instead of um, the way that we've been praying. Yeah, we usually write unique ones, but we're we're doing ones fr- straight from our book. So today's is the very last one. 365, and it's titled The Marriage Gift. Dear Lord, thank you for our love story and for the days ahead that you are writing for us. Thank you for the times we have struggled in our relationship as well as for the victories we have celebrated. We are deeply grateful for the gift of prayer and the ability you have given to us to pray continually for our marriage. Thank you for teaching us how to humbly bring our thanksgiving and request to you. As we submit to you in prayer, please help us hear your voice clearly when when you respond and when you lead us through every circumstance. May we continually believe our marriage is extraordinary, that the purpose you have for our relationship is extraordinary, and that the gift of praying together is extraordinary. Give us eyes to see how each of us affects the oneness we experience. Please help our hearts understand the influence we have in each other's lives. Make us confident in knowing that you purposed our marriage to have a positive impact in this world in Jesus' name. Mature our marriage by stimulating growth in areas of our lives that you are refining. Urge us to cling to one another every day and embrace closeness. We yearn for you to use us as vessels of your glory and grace, sharing your love and testimony wherever we go and in all that we do. In Jesus' name, amen. to pray more for your spouse? Do you desire to pray more with your spouse? We understand that you may not know where to start, or maybe you feel uncomfortable praying, or maybe you don't know what to pray, or maybe you simply want to add something more to your current prayer life. This is why we wrote The Marriage Gift, 365 Prayers for Our Marriage. We desire that it would be used as a daily reminder and catalyst for you and your spouse to grow a dynamic and consistent prayer life together. This book is a compilation of 365 unique and powerful prayers that cover a range of diverse topics that every marriage deals with. You can read it alone, or ideally, you read it with your spouse. Also, we hope that the topics that are brought up in these prayers would become a starting point for deeper and more intimate conversations with your spouse and a desire to seek God on these matters together. Visit themarriagegift.com today and order your copy and give your marriage the greatest gift, powerful and meaningful prayer.
Visit themarriagegift.com today.